Thank you for listening to this teaching from the prayer room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast, as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at tprdfw.com. Hi, guys. Tonight I'm going to be focusing on um, persevering in prayer, just talking about um, persevering in prayer just the past few months, just with some of the things that have been happening in the prayer movement. I've just been really focusing on, like, perseverance and steadfastness and, like, just reaching for just grace in the midst of things being shaken to just be steadfast. Um, So that's kind of the focus that I want to take tonight on just uh, persevering in prayer I mean, faithful to the call that the Lord has given us. And even when we're in seasons of delay and waiting for him to answer certain things that we're contending for, um, I just want to talk about some of the challenges um, that we face in that process, as well as some scriptural truths to help strengthen us. So I'm going to just open in prayer. Lord, we love you. We want to be faithful to you, Jesus. We want to be found as ones who are ready for you when you come, as ones who are found with faith, ones who are found watching and praying. God, I ask that you would strengthen us. You would speak even tonight things that would just bring fresh encouragement and strength to keep just persevering in prayer and pray with faith and of our hearts reaching for you in a sustained way. God, would you use tonight to just bring strength and fresh vision, give fresh grace, God, to be faithful in the place of prayer, to not just go through the motions, but have our hearts engaged. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to start by reading Luke 18, the parable of the unjust judge. We have the verse on the wall over there, so it's definitely a core verse around here, core passage. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, there was in a a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? So the command to pray and be faithful in in the place of prayer um, is really something we want to be found faithful in doing when Jesus returns. Um, I think the fact that Jesus gave us this parable and even asked the question, like, will he really find faith on the earth means it's not going to be the default thing in the midst of all of the pressures that we face to be faithful. And even within the prayer movement, it's kind of common for people like five years to be like, people often don't last longer than that just because of allowing other things um, to just pull people away. So it's definitely not, not the default. So we want to just recognize that and reach for the Lord to give us the grace to be faithful. So the command to pray isn't something we can just fulfill in one season of our lives and then move on and put it on on the back burner. We need to be faithful all of our days. As the years go by, we have the opportunity for us to grow in in maturity in our prayer lives and um, just for our faith to grow. And we have these testimonies that build up of like seeing the Lord answer prayers, and so it gives us faith for other things, um, so we can have this trend of like growing and maturing over the years if we are respond rightly to the Lord in the midst of the challenges, and we keep um, keep reaching with a steadfast heart, so there is that like 
glorious, good trajectory that you can be on. But then there also are um, enough opportunities that can bring discouragement and can cause us to lose heart. Um, so we need to be aware of like the number of years passing isn't a guarantee that we're going to be stronger in our prayer lives and um, going to be more rich and deep in that. Um, there's opportunities to let our love grow cold, give in to unbelief, whether subtle or outright. Jesus asked that question in Luke 18, uh, just whether or not he will really find faith in the earth. And obviously, like he, Revelation 19 says he's going to have a bride that's ready. So it's more a matter of, is it going to be us? Are we going to be the ones found with faith? When he comes, it's not going to be the default thing. It's not going to be the easy thing. To be found faithful, it'll take real perseverance, both now and in the coming days. So I want to take tonight to look at what the Bible says about persevering in prayer, as well as just look at different scriptural truths to help us um, just provide encouragement to continue steadfastly in prayer. First, I want to read just a couple passages, I guess, just start out with First um, Thessalonians 5, 17 and 18. Pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So in this passage, it says, you know, pray without ceasing, and that's what we're trying to do here. We're building a community of night and day prayer, of um, working towards 24-7 prayer, so that's that aspect of not just trying to pray a little bit, but trying to like live a lifestyle of prayer in our personal lives as well as in a community. It makes us have to touch the need for perseverance on a more regular basis. Like we show up to our prayer meeting again, we you know get up and the alarm goes off and it's earlier than you'd like it to go off. Um, just like it requires on a daily or weekly, monthly, whatever, um, need to touch perseverance because we're reaching to do it all the time and not just pray for a minute a day. And like, you could probably pray for a minute a day for your whole life, probably pretty easily. But if you're continually reaching to really go after prayer, then it takes more of it, um, it just demands more perseverance and uh, need to be reaching for the Lord's grace in that. Um, and then it's one thing to be you know, going hard, persevering in, like, prayer, making our whole life for, like, a number of years, but to continue until Jesus' return. That's then another, it's, like, all-consuming in our lives now, but to continue with that same steadfastness through the difficulties of the end times, through circumstances changing in our own lives, um, it requires perseverance then to do it for the long haul. Um, and it, with all this talk about perseverance, I just wanted to like make a point of, it's not like praying is something that's so miserable that we need to like just grit our teeth and be faithful all of our lives and um, just make it through or whatever. Um, it is meant to be our greatest joy to be communing with the Lord and to be having prayer lives that are just um, just deep in in the Lord. But because we live in a fallen world where there's uh, the weakness of our own flesh and, um, and the enemy who's trying to stop us and the pressure of living with wickedness and deception around us as well as just the discouragement of living under creation's groan, like still waiting for the ultimate restoration of all things. There's enough challenges that we have to press through in order to actually experience the joy that we're meant to experience in the place of prayer and to be able to stay in that and not let things um, sidetrack us. So I want to highlight just four categories to persevere in. These are not necessarily like the exhaustive, but they kind of just kind of made sense to me as like kind of different categories that most things we would pray for would fall in. I just want to read Hebrews 6, verse 11 and 12. Just talking about diligence. 
and perseverance. We desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who, who through faith and patience, inherit the promises. Um, so just kind of in light of these, or as we get, kind of go through these different things, just kind of be thinking about this verse of through pa- faith, faith and patience, inheriting the promises of God. Um, so first, just want to talk about devotional prayer as a category to be faithful in, or an aspect of prayer to be faithful in. In Psalm 27, verse 8, it says, When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, Lord, I will seek. So it's the response of the Lord inviting us to seek his face, to be in fellowship with him, and um, then our hearts responding in that. And so this is an important foundation in the place of prayer to um, be, you know, be in that place of getting oil in our lamps and um, just to cultivate friendship with the Lord, to have just that exchange of love and to worship him. If we don't have this foundation, um, our hearts will grow cold and we won't be able to bear the pressures of waiting upon the Lord in other areas of, um, like, other areas of prayer. If we have like that firm foundation of knowing the love of God, loving him, then if our circumstances aren't changing and things are difficult, like we still have that foundation of our hearts are okay in the Lord. Um, so that's an important foundation to help us bear some of the pressures of um, waiting in different seasons. But then not only is it a help to be one who perseveres in prayer, to have that Um, just relationship with the Lord, Um, but also it is an end in itself. In Matthew 22, 36 through 38, Jesus said, you know, the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so prioritizing devotional prayer is definitely important um, to not let that Wayne. And then also I want to highlight another area. I'm categorizing personal requests. Out of Psalm 27, verse 13 and 14. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So believing that we're going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, that we're going to see him move in our lives. So it's that aspect and kind of, I think, Psalm 103, verse 3 through 5, um, kind of covers some of the different angles that this, this um, aspect of prayer would cover. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with the t- loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So we have this ability to you know, believe these promises of God, and we have the ability to pray for God to move in our lives. I'm kind of including the personal request to be our lives, the lives of those close to us, like our friends and our family, Um, It's a privilege that we have to be able to lift up um, those close to us before the Lord in prayer. But I think it's more than just an opportunity or something that we can take advantage of if we want to. Like, we do have a measure of responsibility, I believe, to lift up our families and our friends before the Lord. And even our own personal requests, um, it says... like Philippians 4, verse 6, talks about like making our requests known to God and First Peter 5, verse 7, about just casting our cares on the Lord. Um, so we have an element of we actually should be persevering in these things, not just praying for the big things, but actually asking the Lord to, to move um, 
in our personal lives and in our families and friends. But because these areas of um, these focuses, it's so close to us, I think it's the most likely to cause discouragement if those things are not being answered right away. Um, because we care so much about our family and our friends and our own personal needs that if those things are not being answered right away, it's probably one of the areas that are easiest to let discouragement come in. Um, but then also, when the Lord does bring the breakthrough and does answer, I think it's a, probably one of the biggest areas to be encouraged because we s see him do the crazy thing in our family. is like so personal that he, you know, he cares for um, just him showing his love and his care for us and answering those things that touch us so deeply. Um, so persevering and impersonal requests, I believe, are important. And I also want to touch on specifically promises for this house as the community we're part of. Just praying for the prophetic promises that God's given to TPR. There's a number of things that God has spoken, and he's given us confirmations. But our future related to revival, being 24-7 in a regional training center, about the financial provision he'll give us and our role in building the end-time prayer movement. And there's prophetic words that the Lord has given him. I believe that our response isn't supposed to be just sit by and wait till they happen and be like, oh, we'll just see when they happen. Um, the words that the Lord gives, there's an invitation then to respond in faith and partnership. I think an example of this is when David or Daniel understood and read the prophecy of Jeremiah that the Babylonian exile would be for 70 years and then they would return. His response wasn't to just sit and wait for that to happen. I'm in Daniel. Nine, it just shows how he, re he saw that promise of the Lord, and then he responded in prayer um, to partner with that promise. I'm going to read Daniel 9, 2 and 3, and then verse 19. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake, my God, for your city and your people are called by your name. So his response to the promise that he saw was to pray and contend for it to happen. Um, and so I think that can kind of translate the promises of God over TPR. Our response needs to be asking the Lord to do those, do those things, to partner with him. I don't think we have to make that the primary point of our prayer lives, but I think we do have a responsibility to carry these things in prayer and also to just persevere in doing it when some of the things just seem so impossible right now in this day of small beginnings. Um, just be faithful. Ask the Lord for grace to um, just believe and pray for those promises. Then finally, I want to just talk about praying for God's purposes in the earth. While well, God is sovereign, he's going to ultimately have his way. Jesus did instruct us in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6 for his king, to pray for his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Isaiah 62, verse 6 and 7 also talks about how the Lord has called watchmen to partner with his purposes. Um, I'll just read that passage. Have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace. Day or night, you who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent and give him no rest till he establishes, until he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. So we have a real role of partnership with God related to 
the um, intercession for his purposes to be done on the earth. And this call requires that we actually care about the things that God cares about. We don't just care about our personal lives, but we actually care about the big picture and the storyline of what God is doing. I think some of these things include salvation of the lost, the maturing of the bride of Christ, justice for the oppressed, and salvation and restoration of Israel. Continuing to intercede for these things in the busyness of our lives, as well as in the pressures and difficulties of the end times until Jesus' return will demand perseverance. I want to continue caring about what he cares about and partnering until the end. So now I'm going to move on to Roman numeral three, titled, Delay Isn't Abnormal, Faith is Required. So primary reason that we need to persevere in prayer is because we don't always see the Lord answer immediately. There are definitely times, even earlier this week, Caitlin and Catherine prayed for something, and within five minutes, the Lord did it. So like, there are times where he does it right away, but then there are times where it's years. We've been praying for Erica for just about two years. Um, so there are like, there's sometimes delay um, in terms of, I'm sorry, for, for healing. Um, but um, so sometimes there's delay, but sometimes the Lord does it right away. But kind of in those tension, um, we need that's where we need the perseverance when we're when we're in those moments of delay. I think it's it is important to have a measure of um, even understanding that the Lord does sometimes work in delay to not always just relegate it to some future date and be like, never believe the Lord for the now. I think that's not really praying in faith to never believe the Lord to move in the now and always just say, well, he'll do it someday. Um, but I do think it is helpful to know that it is a pretty common thing biblically for the Lord to give promises and then it takes like 20 or 25 or hundreds or millennial millennium of years for it to happen. Um, and so I think even especially when we're looking at the prophetic promises over TPR to be like, to recognize it's been a while, but also the Lord often will give these big promises and speak, and then it's a long time before he brings the fullness. Um, so I think it's helpful to just know that in, so that we don't think that something's off or something's wrong just because something isn't happening right away. Um, so I want to just look at a few stories um, in Scripture of just some promises that the Lord gave that just um, the Lord gave the promise and then worked in the, in, with a delay. First, I want to just bring up the promise, the final redemption, that, um, that first promise in Genesis 3, verse 15, right after the fall, where God said, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So right away, right after the fall, the Lord gave the promise of the one who would crush the head of the serpent, one, the one who would defeat the, the devil, the Messiah who would come. But that was a long time. It was like 4,000 years later before the Messiah came. So that's a long time for that promise. I've heard people mention, like, they wondered if she thought Cain originally, like, his, in, um, was a, she was hope, maybe hoping that Cain was the original, like, seed because she's like, oh, I've acquired a man from the Lord. Maybe this is the one. But it wasn't, and it just was a long time before um, before that promise came, um, promise came, and then even, I think even as we're like waiting for the return of the Lord to remember, it was a long time before his first coming. The fact that it's been 2,000 years as we've been waiting for his second coming, that's not actually a weird thing, because in light of the storyline and just the uh, 
just the way God has worked over history, that's actually, you know, a thousand years is as, as a day, and a day is as a thousand years with the Lord. I just want to read, I guess, the latter part of, I guess, 2 Peter 3, probably verse 9 here. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I just want to look at the promises to Abraham. God called Abraham um, in Genesis 12, um, 2 and 3. He said, I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And the fullness of this hasn't even been accomplished yet. Um, but even in that moment, like, he didn't even have a son, and the Lord is like, you're going to have, I'm going to make of you a great nation. Um, and it ended up taking over 25 years for the Lord to give him a son. And in that delay, um, you know, he tried to make it happen on his own. That wasn't, the Lord wasn't going to take that. Um, but it wasn't until, uh, you know, he was 100 years old when it really looked like, I mean, the prospects of him getting having a child, we're not getting any better. Like, it was just looking, like, worse and worse. And so just the fact that even, like, in the delay, like, sometimes he lets, like, things die and things look like they're not going to happen at all. Like, there's no hope before he actually brings it in a miraculous way that nobody could have imagined. Um, so um, I also want to look, look at the promises to Joseph. Um, how God worked in his life. He gave you know, the dreams that God gave to Joseph. They were when he was 17 years old. God told him he'd have a position of prominence and his brothers and parents would bow down before him. But that journey there definitely didn't look like he was imagining, at least I'm pretty sure. Um, things got a lot worse for him before they got better. Um, you know, his brothers envied him, sold him into slavery after they decided not to kill him. And then when he was in slavery, he ended up getting put in prison unjustly, and then he was in prison for a long time. Then his opportunity to potentially escape, or get not escape, but get out early, the cupbearer then forgot him. And left him there another two years. So he's just waiting, waiting, waiting. And everything just is not going. I mean, it doesn't look like there's any hope for, for him. And then suddenly the Lord turns it all around. He's in a day taken out of the prison, given a second in position over all of Egypt. Um, and so, but then even after that, was another seven years before his brothers came down. And that, that word was fulfilled. So it was like 20 years um, between his dreams and his brothers that actually happening in his life. So the Lord does work in decades. Um, so I just wanted to share these stories because even though they're not primarily about intercession, um, they do give us a picture of the way that God works um, and how he fil often fulfills his word through bringing his people through Seasons of difficulty and delay. Um, we need to hold on in faith to the promises of God rather than write them off when we don't see them come to pass within a time frame we feel to be reasonable. Well, there is a place to pray and ask if there is anything that maybe is hindering our prayers from being answered. Um, I think it's really helpful to know that delay and even like temporarily our circumstances getting worse is within the realm of biblical normalcy. Um, it can help us persevere in prayer to know this and to not lose heart and think something's wrong or to come to the conclusion that God won't answer. First um, Peter 4, verse 12 says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, 
as though some strange thing happened to you. Then Hebrews 11, verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So we need a, the Lord requires faith of us, and sometimes that looks like walking through delay as we're persevering in prayer. Um, like the Romans 4, verse 18, verse um, how Abraham, who contrary to hope and hope believed. So even when our circumstances don't look like God is breaking in, doesn't look like um, things are changing, just to, even if it's contrary to hope, even if it doesn't make sense, to still hold on um, in faith to, to the promises of God. So now I want to transition into looking at just several um, several things that we need to like continue in in order to persevere in prayer. Um, first is persevering in, in faith. Um, I want to read Hebrews 10, 35 through 38. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So we need to, um, we need to hold fast our confidence in the Lord, and um, we have need of endurance, and specifically faith is crucial to, to, um, to prayer. So like the Lord said, we need to ask in faith without doubting. And so if we're going to persevere in prayer, we need to persevere in faith because if we just go through the motions of saying the words but actually don't believe in our hearts that he's actually listening and going to respond, we've kind of lost the battle already. Um, so it's vital um, to be, um, in order to persevere in prayer, that we would not lose heart, that we wouldn't let discouragement and unbelief settle in as we experience a season of waiting for God to answer. I think this is probably one of the greatest challenges to persevering in prayer that we would fight for a heart posture of faith and confidence in the Lord, even when our circumstances aren't changing. So I want to take this section um, specifically just to look at some ways we can remind our hearts of truths to help strengthen our faith um, in the waiting just for a kind of foundational principle or uh, for this section, just the letter A, that faith comes by hearing. Romans 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I believe that the best way to strengthen our faith is to be meditating on the truths of God, God's word, um, not just to try to muster up faith that is thin air and just try to have faith, but if we attach our faith to the word of God, to the promises of God, when we are meditating on the truths of God's word and when um, we're listening, like hearing the word of God, that gives opportunity for the Holy Spirit to minister to us and strengthen our faith to bring confirmation to our hearts, like this is the truth um, and so when we fill our, our minds and hearts with the word of God, this, um, the Holy Spirit breathes upon it and uses it to minister to us and strengthen our faith. So I believe that an important strategy to persevering in prayer is to keep feeding upon the word of God. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And then John 6, verse 63, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. 
the words that I, I speak to you are a spirit and they are life. So we need the truth of God coupled with the Holy Spirit breathing, breathing upon it. And that's going to be what strengthens our heart um, in faith. So one of the things I just want to start off is just um, talking or just thinking upon the character of God, remembering the character of God. Um, one of the ways that the enemy tries to attack us and get us to quit is to accuse God to us. That's what happened in the Garden of Eden with Eve. He was like, did God really say, question if God was withholding good from them? Uh, so whether or not we're currently experiencing those accusations, I think it's good to uh, be, what is it, on the offense, to um, just preemptively just keep our minds filled with the truth of who God is um, so that we can just um, be ready in, in any moment where we would um, face that. Um, I just want to read a couple or a few scriptures just related to the, the character and nature of God and just how that relates to his heart toward us um, as we come to him as his children um, asking for him, him to move in our lives and different things. I'm going to be uh, reading Psalm 145, verse 8 through 9. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. Matthew 7, verse 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? In Romans 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And then, similarly, uh, James 1 verse 5, if anyone, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So just these scriptures, and there's plenty of other ones, but just to, to keep before us the heart of God as the one who's the good father who gives good gifts, that he gives liberty, liberally without reproach, um, that if he gave his only begotten son who was willing to die for us, how will he not with him also give us all things? Um, so just to keep before us uh, the character of God is we're like, don't let your circumstances alter just your, your view and perspective of, of who God is and what his heart is like. Hold fast, fast to the truth and let that be what encourages you um, in the midst of waiting for him to, in his perfect wisdom and timing, know answer so it's one thing to have a foundation of a correct doctrine of who God is it's really important to be meditating on that and to keep that before us um, just to strengthen our hearts this is just a little a little plug for knowledge of the holy it's not just about the character of God but it just is a really powerful book about just uh, the nature of God it, it whether it's even beyond that. I mean, it's like the power, all, like the sufficiency of God, and just every aspect, it doesn't touch every aspect, many aspects of who God is, it just lifts your eyes to see him. Um, and so I think it's uh, just good to have scriptures and even like a book like that to just go to and just be like meditating upon the truths of who God is that um, just bring encouragement. And then another aspect of truth that we can meditate on is remember the promises of God. Second Peter 1, 3 through 4 says, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue, by which have given to, been given to us men, um, exceeding great Impre exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be a partaker, maybe partakers of the divine nature, 
having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Um, the promises, so God's given us promises. He's given us all that we need for life and godliness, everything that pertains to life and godliness. In, in this passage, it says he's given us many ex, uh, exceedingly great and precious promises. Um, and so keeping just the promises of God before us um, is important because it helps us to know his will, what we what he said he would do, we know is his will to do. Um, and the scripture says, um, I guess I'll, I'll read First John 5, verse 14 and 15. Now this is a confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. And so when we know the promises of God, we know the will of God. And when we know the will of God, we can pray with faith, knowing that he's going to answer those things because he promised that, you know, what we ask according to his will, we will have. Um, so keeping the promises of God before us, whether they're directly from Scripture or if they're confirmed prophetic words, they can help us latch our faith to concrete things that God has revealed as his will and then Remembering the promises as well as the goodness and the faithfulness of the one who promised can strengthen our hearts to keep praying in faith until we see them brought forth. And then another aspect of truth to meditate on to strengthen our faith um, in the place of prayer is meditating on God's past works, what he's done in the days of old. I'm going to read Psalm 77, 10 through 13. And I said, this is my anguish, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. Your way, O oh God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? So this was the response of Asaph in the midst of having been in a place of anguish it's like i'm still going to remember the works of god in the days of old even as i'm waiting for him to move in whatever his current situation was but to remember the things that the lord has done in the past brings strength and encouragement um, to believe him for what we're what we're waiting upon him for so testimonies of modern day miracles stories of historic revival and scriptural accounts of the things God has done all have the power to stir our faith and give us vision to believe for things we didn't previously have faith for. I would just encourage you, like, if you want to get more vision for our revival prayer times, go study some revivals that happened in the past and to hear the stories of the crazy things the Lord has done it gives you a vision for things that you didn't even know were possible or you, you didn't just didn't imagine. Um, but when you hear the testimonies, they start to stir your faith and to start to give you um, just a vision to believe for things um, you didn't previously have faith for. And then also just remembering and meditating, so not only hearing the testimonies, but also just like in the moments of like waiting on the Lord for him to move in a particular way. Like if you're waiting on the Lord for financial provision, remember stories of what he's done in the past to provide. Or like if you're waiting for healing, remember different ways he's, he's brought healing in the past. Like whatever you're waiting on the Lord, even to just remember the things he's done in the past in your life, as well as the stories you've heard from people around you and as broad as you want to go, um, if you want to read biographies or whatever. Um, and then finally, on this point, is it just to, to look for how God is currently working. Um, Psalm 103, verse 2, says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So I think sometimes when we have this big prayer request, a looming need, a 
family member or a friend with an illness or just feeling the ache of a lack, lack of revival. Sometimes we're so tunnel vision, we're just like, just need this big thing to happen that we don't recognize the little things God is doing around us and is working in our lives. And I think when we look for those things that God is doing, and even specifically like asking him to move in little ways that are bring encouragement, like that he is present, he is still with us, even if he's not willing to do the big thing at this moment, like he like he still is moving in our lives. And sometimes looking for those things and remembering those things and not forgetting what he is doing brings encouragement to keep believing uh, for the bigger things and to just remember that he is with us. Also, I, I think sometimes even the Lord is willing to give more small answers to prayer in seasons where we're really aching and wanting, um, needing him to move in a bigger way that he wants to give that encouragement. So I think even to reach for really feeling the ache of like this thing isn't happening to just be, ask the Lord even for other smaller little tokens of just his love to bring that encouragement. I think something that has encouraged me um, with Erica, her story, and just she's been sick for over two, almost two years, um, in about a week or something. Um, but as we're waiting and praying for healing, for so long, like we haven't seen the major breakthrough yet. But there are times where she's been up in the middle of the night really struggling to breathe or something. And then she just asks the Lord, like, can someone pray for me and text me? And then it's like in the middle of the night, and a few minutes later, someone texts her that they're praying for her. So just those like little moments where the Lord answers the little prayers where she's still hurting. But he does give that encouragement, like, he's still listening. He's still present. Um, so I think to look for those types of things can bring it, um, just stir our faith. Like, the Lord is, is still faithful. Um, and then I want to just move on to Roman numeral 5. Um, just talking about, just want to talk about continuing to care. Sometimes when we're just praying for so long for something, it's hard to just have that vulnerability of like our heart feeling the ache for so long. Um, so part of the wrestle is to continue to let the pain touch us um, rather than just close our hearts as the time goes on. Delay can either intensify the ache and the desperation that we feel or it can, it can dull it. Um, depending on how we posture, posture our hearts, we can begin to settle, let apathy creep in, we can numb the ache with other things, or we can lean in and keep reaching to truly care and pray from a place of love. It's harder and at times more uncomfortable to continue to let it touch us, but and it, it, it requires like more emotional energy to like constantly be feeling the ache of something. But there also is a joy um, in interceding from a place of deep love and really caring for um, really caring for someone. So having this heart connection does help us, even though it does leave us in a place of, like it requires an, um, just emotional energy and um, does call for more from us, but it does help us to enjoy prayer when we're actually leaning into that and we're like really feeling the love of the Lord and really caring. Um, but also it does help us to persevere because we actually care for it and we won't let go until we see God move in that area. So even as we feel the ache, um, it won't be forever. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. So in persevering to keep our hearts in that place of mourning, of hungering and thirsting, of letting it touch us, um, we're going to uh, be blessed if we do that. And part of this is that love requires that we don't close our hearts. When we walk in love, it, we can't shed our hearts toward, towards the pain and need of others, whether it's physical or spiritual. 
1 John 3, 16 through 17 says, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? So I know that this passage is specifically talking about physically helping a person in need, but it has a concept of if you shut up your heart toward your brother, how does the love of God abide in you? Um, and obviously, I totally believe in the in the actual meaning, like the first meaning of the of the verse. But also, we do have something in the Lord as the ability to pray for people, and we have that privilege, that access to the Lord, the promise that ask and you'll receive. And so. We can do nothing with this privilege, or we can use it to bless and serve. So kind of like if we had worldly goods and we could give, like we have the ability to pray, and so we can choose to pray. Um, so love for people should believe it should find an expression in truly caring for God to move in people's lives with healing, salvation, provision, and so forth, and praying for them from that place of true desire for God to touch them. So love for people, just that we would continue to care about them and continue to pray. Then I also think this can apply in a way to just loving Jesus and caring about the things of his kingdom, that we wouldn't, if we see Israel in pain, that we wouldn't shut our hearts towards them, but we would be like, Jesus, you care about them and have our hearts open towards the things that he cares about and be contending in prayer for, you know, for his people, just that we would care about what matters to him. So not only to express love towards people that we love, but also express love towards Jesus by continuing to carry the things that he cares about in the place of prayer and not closing our hearts. I mean, like it doesn't affect us or whatever. Um, And on this, I just want to talk a little bit more about the scripture, blessed are those who mourn, just that concept. I read a few scriptures where there's just several promises that those who mourn will be comforted, those who sow in tears will reap in joy. Matthew 5, verse 4 says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Then uh, Psalm 126 Six, uh, five and six, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. You, he who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And then uh, Isaiah 66, verse 10, rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad with her, all you who love her. Rejoice for joy with her, all you who mourn for her. There's a reward for persevering in prayer with a heart that's connected enough and cares deeply enough to mourn, to sow in tears, having hearts that are aching for God to answer, positions us to experience a lot much greater joy when he responds um, because our hearts were actually connected to it. So um, puts us in a place of pain when we're waiting, but there's joy in the future when he does answer those things. Not only that, we do reap what we sow, and we'll receive eternal eternal rewards as well for the fruit brought forth from our labor and prayer. So we just want to be willing to continue to carry, even if it means it's painful sometimes to let it touch us. And then just one final point on this, that disengaging our hearts can be a form of subtle unbelief um, where we're just trying to protect our hearts. We're like, don't want to feel the pain and we'll just be like, okay, we, it would be okay. Just put, put ourselves in a place where we're like, it would be, I guess it has to, would be okay um, if God doesn't answer. We're really trying to position our hearts that if God doesn't answer, our hearts would still be fine. Um, so I think maybe this can be something that we might wrestle with, but we want to actually care um, and not let that be like a protection for ourselves to 
to, to disengage our hearts, um, to protect ourselves from disappointment. So I want to move to Roman numeral six, refusing passivity. Another aspect of persevering in prayer is to refuse passivity. While this is similar to refusing to close our hearts and not truly care, I think it can be seen as slightly different, where we understand we have a real part to play and that then we would do something about it that we really do need a partner with God in the place of prayer. John 16, verse 24 says, Jesus said, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. There really are things that God won't do apart from partnership with his people. Um, And so we can't just have a passive faith that just um, waiting for God to move someday or a passive love, just hoping things will turn out all right for our friends in the future. Um, but we need to recognize the role that we have, that we are, have the ability to, to bring the, these things before the Lord and, and just take that role in intercession, refuse passivity, and persevere in prayer. I want to just talk about laying hold of God through persistence. In Luke's account of Jesus' response to his disciples when they said, Lord, teach us how to pray, he gave the Lord's Prayer, but then he also gave a parable about persistence in prayer. Um, And this is part of his core teaching, like, you're going to need to persist in prayer. Um, So uh, Luke 11, 5-9, and he said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise to give to you and give to you. I say to you, Though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened for you. So this person cared about his friend's hunger. His friend came from this long journey and he didn't have anything to give to him to eat, but he knew someone who could and you know that's like us with the Lord we can't solve all of our friends needs we wish we could but we can bring those things before the Lord Um, and this person in the parable he cared enough to not give up seeking until he found the answer he could have just you know asked and then did like a little token prayer and then be like well I guess it didn't happen but he was like not passive. He cared about it enough that he was going to press in and keep asking um, until he received the answer. He didn't just you know, say, at least I tried, um, and then leave his friend in, in hunger. So this is an example of how we need to approach intercession to, um, to just understand um, just the role that we have and to not be passive about it. And just um, one final point in this section, that fervent prayer is not in vain. Probably the most common reason that we would be passive about something in the place of prayer is feeling like it, or feeling like our prayers don't really matter and that nothing major will actually happen if we pray. And if we believe this lie, then the effort expended in praying and persevering in prayer doesn't seem worth it. It's too costly to give of ourselves in that way um, if it really doesn't make a difference. And so we probably wouldn't say this blatantly, but I think there are times when we may begin to feel this way where we've been praying for so long without seeing a change. So we need to just hold on to the truth of Scripture that it really does matter. The James 5 or 6, um, 5, yeah, 5, 16 verse that, 
The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That's the truth of God's word, even if we don't see it immediately. So just to, to hold on to that, that it really isn't in vain. As I wrap up, I want to leave us with a couple points to cast just some vision for why we really want to persevere in prayer. Of course, this is a house of prayer, so everybody um, should be on board. Um, but um, I just want to give a couple of reminders, just like fresh vision um, to persevere. Sometimes we get caught up in just the mundaneness of life and the pressures and just start to lose a little bit of the vision and perspective that we once had. So just the first point, just want to just mention like what we get to offer Jesus as people who hold on in faith and it's, it's the testimony that we love him, that we trust him to continue persevering in prayer. It, it testify, it's a testimony just that he is worthy of our trust um, when we're, we're faithful in the place of prayer. It also, um, it's just a way we can walk out love for him and caring for his kingdom, for his people when we're um, caring um, enough to be really giving ourselves to prayer more than our personal leisure, ambitions, and needs. It's a way we can express love to the Lord. Um, it also is an opportunity to give Jesus our unoffended love in those moments where we've been waiting for a long time um, to just be like, I still love you, I still trust you. Um, I really love just uh, Mary's response after Jesus let her brother die in the chapter before, and then he he, he delayed, but then he came and resurrected Lazarus. Um, but her response after all this process, she wasn't like offended that he allowed them to go through that. Uh, but her response to him still is in, in John 12, verse 3, the Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spiked, of spiked nard, anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Then this is a different context, but Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse 6, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. So in the midst of persevering in prayer, we get to offer Jesus our unoffended love and our trust um, in the midst of, of waiting upon him. But then also we have a glorious future if we're faithful. When Jesus returns, we're going to be so joyful to be found as ones who we're watching and praying to the end, to be ones who are found with faith when he comes. Um, and to know even when he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth, when he brings forth ultimate justice, and when he restores all things, to know that these things were done in response to our prayers, um, there's going to be a lot of joy in that. Um, Matthew 24, verse 46 says, Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing, to be found doing the will of the Lord when, we come, when he comes. Um, but then also on a more immediate level, um, we also get to experience answer prayer in our lives if we continue to persevere in the place of prayer. It's going to be more of a common reality the more we continue faithfully in prayer. Um, so if we give up quickly, we may, we may stop praying just before God was going to give us a break, breakthrough. In Matthew 7, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. So we're not just per persevering for the sake of persevering. Like, he is, he is promised to answer, and he's promised, um, you know, he's given that, us a promise so we can hold on to that as we're persevering. So, worship leader, you can come on up. Just as we conclude, I just want to kind of just go back over those four categories I mentioned earlier. Um, just a devotional prayer. The personal request for God to move in our lives and our families and friends, for his promises for TPR, for God's purposes in the earth and just 
want to encourage you of like in different areas if there's anything that maybe would fall in that category if maybe a, a family member you've kind of given up hope praying for their salvation or just like something in one of the categories where maybe you need fresh grace from the Lord to believe for those things to engage your heart again um, just to to kind of talk to him ask if there's anything um, along those lines that he would just give grace to be just faithful and, and sign up again in those things and even I think there is not necessarily like I think there's like a spectrum of like we maybe haven't given up in any of the areas but there could be areas where our faith really needs to be strengthened again to believe her something again that we've started to lose lose heart in something where our heart started to disconnect from something that just is a painful situation it's hard to carry it in our hearts for too long or um or just a passivity thing of the promises and purposes of god in the earth are just so big does it actually make a difference if i the a little person you know pray for those things just to just reflect um, and ask the lord if there is any of those things that he would just want to give grace to just to grow in those areas, to just strengthen what remains, if anything has started to dwindle. Um, so yeah, I just want to pray. This concludes this teaching from the prayer room. For more resources, please visit our website at tprdfw.com. Thank you.